Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell, and next weekend is a big weekend. It is Christmas weekend, and every year we always talk on the show about the importance of Christmas and what it really means, and joining me is no stranger to the show. It's Jason Davis. Jason is the pastor of the Anchor Church in downtown Sykeston, and uh, Jason, as always, thanks for uh, being with me, talking with me about uh, something like Christmas. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Glenn. Appreciate it. So let's um, just... For and I know simplistic sake, uh, we take for granted that most people know and understand what Christmas is all about. But in reality, there are many people that look at just the tradition and not the religious part of Christmas, which is what began the tradition. So, give us an overview uh, from the Christian's perspective: what is Christmas all about? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, The reason that we celebrate Christmas is because, as Christians, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And uh, that's vitally important. That is the the center of of our belief system, is Jesus came to this earth as God in the flesh. It's called the Incarnation. Um, And he was given the name Emmanuel, God with us. And so God came down and took on flesh in Jesus and would go on to uh, live a perfect life and die on the cross to save us from our sins and raise from the tomb to uh, overcome death and give us eternal life. So uh, the reason we celebrate Christmas, yeah, it, it's awesome to have uh, the the traditions and the family and the presents and uh, those types of things, but the reason as a Christian it is so important is because it is the birth of our Savior. Luke chapter 2 is probably the most looked at um, story as far as the birth of Christ. It's the most probably quoted uh, part of Scripture when it comes to the birth of Christ. It probably gives us the best description of all the things that took place at the birth of Christ. And it, it begins with, obviously, Luke and Mary. Uh, Luke, excuse me, <laughs> Joseph and Mary, uh, found in, in Luke chapter 2. But in within that, in chapter 2, we, we see this couple. And for those that don't know and, and may not understand, um, what is the uniqueness of the birth of Christ and also the uniqueness of the two parents? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the thing that stands out about the birth of Christ is that uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, was a virgin. And so he uh, was um, he came to the earth through a, a virgin birth. So Joseph actually is not um, necessarily his biological dad. Uh, we know that in the story, uh, Mary was told that she would have a child. And uh, she would uh, give birth to the child, the child of God, the only begotten Son of God. And so, um, you know, also Joseph and Mary weren't even married yet. So uh, they were just basically engaged to be married. They were kind of in that betrothal stage where uh, Joseph and Mary were already planning to be married. He was preparing the place. Uh, at his father's house for her, and and in their tradition, the wife would um, move in with the husband's 
family. They would kind of add on to the house. And so uh, that's kind of the stage that they were in. And so she was not supposed to have any kind of sexual activity. Uh, she was supposed to be a virgin. And so uh, from the world's perspective and, and the outsider perspective, uh, it was believed that certainly she must have committed adultery and sinned against Joseph by having what we would call today an affair. Because um, isn't that really, I think, um, for the most part, where people really start having problems wrapping their minds around a virgin birth? Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't make sense when you think of it in terms of uh, the way we think of things. From a scientific perspective, it's it's hard to fathom. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it. It just doesn't seem possible, and uh, but again, that's um, that's the fulfillment of the prophecies that were spoken in the Old Testament, and uh, we know that that with God, all things are possible. He fulfilled that prophecy, and so um, so yeah, that that presents a problem. And, and quite honestly, you know, and I say this uh, many times at the church that I pastor. It sounds crazy, and, and people think we're crazy to believe that, and and I get it, but that's where faith comes in. And so, um, you know, that that is a, a difficult part of the story, for sure. And, and if we look at Luke, and we know in Luke chapter 1, where um, uh, Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth is pregnant uh, with who we know will be John the Baptist, and we know some things happened there. We know an angel came to Mary before that, before she went to see Elizabeth, to tell her what was happening. I think the the other thing that people have a hard time with is Joseph, who, uh, again, they are betrothed, they are, uh, which is... Uh, Really, essentially, like being married without having the marriage ceremony or anything else happen as of yet. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 a very yeah. binding thing. But uh, if we go to, I think it's in Matthew where an angel appears to Joseph to explain everything because Joseph was going to quietly divorce Mary, um, but the angel comes and speaks to Joseph, and that's why really Joseph sticks around. Yeah, and I mean, the weight of that, it, it really was um, a moment of tension for Joseph, because he loved Mary, uh, and I mean, we know that. We we can tell from the story that he loved her, and the reason he wanted to quietly do that is because, quite honestly, her life was on the line. She could have been put to death for that. So, um, yeah, that that is uh, definitely a, an awkward situation. As a man that's married to a woman now, uh, I, I can't imagine what must have been going through his mind until he got that reassurance from the angel. Yeah, because he's thinking all kinds of things. Well, she was unfaithful to me. I wonder who it was. I mean, there's all kinds of things going through his mind when he finds out that his you know, betrothed to, or to be wife, fiance, if you will, is 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 pregnant, and he finds this out. We think, and I, and if that he finds this out, and the angel comes to him while Mary is visiting Elizabeth, um, and then she comes back, and then they have to travel to Bethlehem, and this is where the baby is going to be born in Bethlehem, and the story very familiar to people who have heard it. That there's no room in the inn, or essentially no room in the house. They went somewhere, probably to be with a relative, and there's no room in the house, and they went to a stable. Now, 
I, I want your take on this. When typically, when we think of a, a stable in, uh, you know, uh, we think of a barn, you know, some some housing unit that has animals in it. But what is your take on the whole stable uh, animal foreclosure thing that they have uh, during this time period? Like, what do, what do you think it looks like? Well, I, I mean, I suspect it was just a uh, a dirty. Um, hay-filled area where animals were, I, I, I really uh, believe, quite honestly, that the depiction that we see a lot today um, could be somewhat uh, maybe a true picture of what it was like. Definitely wasn't, um, you know, the inn. It wasn't a, a house. It wasn't anything that uh, we, today, I mean, we, we have the greatest technology that the hospitals and the special rooms, and um, that was not the case for him. So, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, certainly um, a place for animals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I just I'm asking. I guess maybe I should ask that better. I because I've read and and you know in this day and time, it was very common for those stables to be in a cave-like structure in the side of a hill and not an actual building of some sort. And so I've kind of um, you know, there's no, there's nothing for us to say. Oh, yeah, this is what it was like. But I think the thing that you pinpoint on is that it wasn't the, uh, the Hilton. It wasn't uh, a hospital. It wasn't a private room. It was this really kind of dirty, disgusting place that that he was born in. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it could have been uh, that cave set up. I think the point of the story. Um, and the the way that it played out, obviously, in fulfilling a prophecy is is uh, you know he he went from being in heaven as the king to a lowly baby born in a manger from from royalty to that setting where animals use the bathroom and eat and and I think that's the picture that's painted and and it really gives a bigger meaning to the entire picture god came down into our mess he came down put on flesh into our world and he took on that flesh so that he could redeem us do you think that sometimes we get bogged down too much with details wanting to know more or understand more and really there's just nothing more to understand well i mean i think that definitely could be a problem if we think that we have to figure it all out uh, and know all the details with 100% certainty uh, from the time of day to the date of the birth. I mean, um, you know, Dece- I, I think it's safe to say Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. You know what, what I mean? So uh, even that fact people uh, struggle with. Oh, I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can get bogged down in those details, or we can look at the story of the gospel for what it is. Do we sometimes get so, I don't know what the word is, entrenched with those details? You know, I, I used to know people that would be so mad if you said Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas or, you know, who who get so dug in to um, Christ and Christmas, which we should. I mean, this is when we choose to you know, uh, celebrate the birth, but this is something that we celebrate that is essentially not something that is biblical that we're told to celebrate. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And and I think a part of that is uh, upbringing. I mean, um, I remember growing up, I grew up in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. And and um, one of the big, biggest discussions, we'll say, uh, when I was growing up is uh, taking Christ out of Christmas and calling it Xmas. And that used to, uh, in the late 80s and 90s, just fire people up and... Um, but and it's the same way with happy holidays when you really look at it uh holiday means holy day which i believe the birth of christ is a holy day i mean it was the savior coming to the world and uh and so also with the the christmas thing the x uh is the greek letter for christ and so uh you know it's it's like um it really isn't a problem uh but history and uh, people getting caught up in those things, they have a tendency to uh, use that to see the worst come out in people, I should, I would say. Right. And I, and I think that's the challenge I see when you have some people that are so dug in on some of those issues that really don't matter. And what message does that send to someone who really needs to know maybe hear the gospel story or hear the story of Christ, who doesn't want to listen to you now because you've gotten so entrenched in this issue, that really doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case with anything, but it really seems to uh, highlight itself in this type of season when uh, we're celebrating the birth of Christ and we're supposed to be... Uh, it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. We're supposed to be, as believers, uh, the most joyous people, because this time of year is when we celebrate the hope that we have, the thing that our life uh, revolves around, and yet we find ourselves uh, being more like the Grinch. <laughs> and you mentioned a couple of things. Advent ends this weekend. And, and through Advent, you know, you talk about uh, hope, you talk about joy, you talk about peace um, and, and, and faith. And these are things that um, not only are we looking forward to, the, um, to Christ's return, but also looking back um, at the first time that he came. And this weekend is kind of peace. We talk about peace. And what, what does the birth of Christ really mean when it comes to peace on earth? Because we know the song and we know the saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What is the peace that Christ brings? Yeah, so the peace that Christ brings is that peace uh, for the believer that we are no longer uh, waging war in ourselves because of sin. In other words, he did for us what we could not do. We, we're in a battle against the flesh, against sin, against the punishment for sin, which the Bible says is death, uh, against the power of sin, which controls us, uh, even against the, the presence of sin. We're constantly at battle in that. It's, it's uh, a phrase that many people have titled or called spiritual warfare. We see that even in Scripture. And, and what Christ has done is he's come and fought that battle for us because we were fighting a losing battle until he gave victory at the cross and at the empty tomb. And so the peace that he brings is the certainty and security of our redemption, of our salvation. And in Christ, those who confess him as Lord and Savior are, are no longer at war against God and his righteous justice because in Christ, he has redeemed us, and 
the the theological term is justified us, made us right. Uh, It's a court of law term, and he has saved us at our salvation from the penalty of sin. We no longer have that. And then now we live a life of sanctification where we are daily being freed from the power of sin. And one day, uh, when we take our final breath or when Jesus returns, glorification will take place, and that's when we'll be free from the presence of sin forever. Obviously, there's the religious part of the holiday, but then there's also the traditional part uh, over the years has changed. And uh, I love the traditional part. Uh, you know, we always separate, you know, the, the religious part from the traditional part and, and talk about the importance of both, really. <clears throat> the traditional part really is more about family and celebrating, just being together, giving to each other. Uh, so I have to ask about some of your traditions, like what is a tradition in your family that may be unique from other people? Yeah, so uh, with my wife and kids, uh, we do Advent as a family together uh, each night, and we read through a book. Uh, there's an author that has uh, Advent books out that he puts out, and they're, they're kind of on a, a child's level. They're a story, and they're set in biblical times, and uh, it's a journey that starts on the first day of Advent and, and goes all the way until uh, we do our last reading on Christmas morning. And so that's become a tradition for my family over the last, uh, this is the fourth year that we're doing it. Uh, it's, a, it's called the Jotham Journey Series. If anybody's interested, you can look it up. Uh, they have it on Amazon. And, and so uh, it's really a great tradition. We do that. We do the Advent candles. Personally, I pick out an, uh, an Advent devotion and read that in my quiet time throughout the Advent season. Um, we do... With my extended family, we do brunch on Christmas morning at my parents' house, and uh, we do pajamas on Christmas Eve here at the house. All the kids and adults get matching pajamas. And so uh, we do things like that. We, we have a, a time when we start Christmas music, and that's kind of all we play in the vehicles. So, yeah, we, we follow those, those traditions as well. Favorite Christmas song would be? Oh, man, that's, that's tough. Because I love Christmas, uh, Christmas music. And so uh, I, I kind of like White Christmas, the song, the original with Bing Crosby, um, and probably because that's my favorite Christmas movie as well. Uh, so I like that. Uh, I also, uh, maybe I don't lose my main card here, but I'm a big fan of Wham's Last Christmas. I never would have thought that. <laughs> I know, I know, but oh hey, I just like it. It's catchy. Oh my gosh! I don't even know how to respond to that. Wham's last Christmas. Okay, all right. Well, that's uh, interesting. Favorite Christmas movie? White Christmas. Oh yeah, you said that already. Really? Yeah. Second yep. favorite. Uh, I would probably land at. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but the edited version uh, that comes on TV. I, I can't. I don't watch it on like Netflix or anything like that. I watch the one on TV because it's edited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got to put Elf in there, obviously. It's, yeah, it's in there. Uh, it's probably in my hmm, top. But you like Polar? Sh- sorry, you like, you like Polar Express too, right? Yeah, I love Polar Express. Yeah. That's probably my number three. That's what I thought. All right. Any any other favorite Christmas stuff you want to share before we go? Uh, you know, there, my favorite uh, 
course, I am a, I like to eat too. Um, and so, uh, you and I get to do a lot of eating, you know, we, we sit down and eat together some. And so, uh, my, I'm going to, you'd be thinking about this cause I'd like to know for you, but my favorite Christmas treat, uh, I have like a one A and one B. One uh, A is uh, my mom makes these things called Scotcheroos. So think butterscotch rice crispy treats or peanut butter and butterscotch rice crispy treats with uh, milk chocolate coating on the top of them. Wow, they are um, amazing. And uh, the problem with Scotcheroos is they kind of I have no control, and so they turn into, like, pukaroos. I mean, I just eat them till I'm sick. And then um, 1B, uh, not only the scotcheroos, but I love the simple peanut butter cookies with the Hershey Kisses on top. So yes. what about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love those. I love those. My wife sometimes makes this uh, stuff with, like, uh, bugles but she coats them with like uh this icing and so they look like little santa hats she puts a marshmallow at one end and she had it's that and like uh what else is there m&ms and peanuts and something else anyway it's like this this mixture of stuff and it is just unbelievable it, it is so good well that's that does sound delicious. <laughs> yeah. It is. Hey, I got I got a new one too. Don't sleep on this. I don't know if anybody's ever tried this. I had it this fall, and to me, it was like the perfect Christmas snack. Um, and that is this puff corn. Uh, you know, it's not like popcorn. It's like almost like a Cheeto right type thing. But then they made a homemade caramel and poured over it, and then baked it in the oven for like fifteen minutes. Oh my goodness you ought to give that a try oh my gosh uh yeah, yeah. that's a new recipe i just wrote down all right i will try that all right well jason thanks for joining me i really appreciate it and uh we'll talk to you again soon i'm sure see you glenn all right jason davis the pastor of the anchor church in downtown sykeston we thank him for being with us and i thank you for being with me as well have a merry christmas and we'll see you next time on the talk of sykeston